0: to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening, and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers, Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Hoodoo Cleansing Protection Magic, binaural production engineer, Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host, Jared Murphy author of it's not aliens it's worse it's us if you are interested in contributing to this podcast go to everything imaginable 2020.com and you'll find everything you need there and now without any further ado our guest for today is carol j is it obli or Obly? obli and she is a psychic medium healer and author thank you for coming on today
1: Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here.
0: Yes, fantastic. Um, so, when did you start uh, learn that you were a psychic?
1: Well, um, many years ago. I'm going on three decades of of doing this work. Um, I've probably logged well over eleven thousand um, readings, um, and a lot of media, a lot a lot of radio. So I was actually in my mid-30s um, when my journey started, when I stepped on to the to the pathway. That's been a lot of years. Um, and yes, I was born with the ability. But just like anything else, you really have to hone it and understand it. And so I've taken a lot of training as well.
0: Interesting. So, how did you do that? Like, how did you go through the process of learning how to um, better understand and use your abilities?
1: Well, um, training for one at this place called Delphi. It's near Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so, I went there twice, and then I've taken a lot of mediumship training through Lilydale, which is in New York, um, and then doing actually doing the process. So, reading after reading, after reading, I also do a lot of platform mediumship or group mediumship. Um, And just, it's sort of a self upgrading program. So even though there are, you know, you think, well, there's an ability that somebody is born with, but yet there's a lot of training, there's a lot of uh, refinement of that ability that has to go on. So it's, a lot of it's just been through um, working with spirit and with individuals from all walks of life, from all different sorts of backgrounds, cultures, um, doing international readings, um, you know, that, that all contributes to, um, to the work.
0: When, when you first noticed that you had abilities, like what age were you and how was, what was it like for you? Like, was it like something that was natural and you realized like you were perceiving things that other people didn't, or was it something else?
1: Actually, no. Um, unlike a lot of psychic mediums, I was not aware of my ability when I was young. Um, again, it was in my mid thirties, um, I had a kind of a bad thing happen. I was running a business and I had an electrical fire. So overnight I was burned out of this business and, um, had no idea what I was going to do with my life. And, uh, long story short, I got involved with a metaphysical center, um, near a small town where I live. And, I immediately felt at home, and so prior to that, I did not in any way know that I had abilities. I was always highly sensitive, but as far as actually giving readings to people, I never ever, when I was younger, would have believed anybody if they told me this is what you're going to be doing. You're going to be writing books on mediumship, you're going to be doing readings for people. You're going to be doing, um, you know, podcasts and so forth. I never would have believed that. So really, um, you know, I was not aware of this when I was a child or a young person.
0: Hmm. Um, interesting. When you, when, when you went through the training process, like what were some of the first steps that you used to connect to the spirit realm? Was it meditation or anything like that?
1: Definitely. Um, you know, I do a lot of teaching as well. A lot of uh, uh, webinars and in-person teachings and so forth. And one of the things that I always advocate for people is meditation. For many years, I was doing an hour a day. Now, that was in the beginning. I At this point, I, I don't. Uh, I do. I don't do that long. I do mindfulness, which is simply focusing on the breath. But meditation is definitely a um, you're not you're not going to be able to reach the higher mind or the inner senses of clairvoyance, uh, clairaudience and clairsentience uh, without meditation, which really it doesn't get rid of the rational mind, but it sort of transcends it and goes above it and then we also did in my early days of training we did photo intuitive readings so the class members would um you know people that i was training with would bring in photographs of people that they knew very well and we would trade those and so we would tune in that way through uh photographs And um, so it was really an effective training. Um, At Delphi, um, we were taught to you open very quickly because it's very, very intensive. And that's precisely what happened to me. And in order to graduate from there, I had to be tested. And so I had to give so many readings um, to the general public um, with no pay, of course. And then I could get my certificate so um, the work has evolved from that point. Um, certainly, if you if I look at the readings I was doing in those early days, there was very little connection to the spirit world. They were mainly intuitive types of readings, you know, career and relationships and, um, you know, circumstances in people's lives. Um, and then they evolved into mediumship. I was actually uh, using the tarot, the tarot, the deck of tarot cards. And I'm self-taught with the tarot. I I have studied them for many, many years. I know them like the back of my hand. Um, When I was doing tarot readings for people, I started getting messages uh, from their loved ones without that intent. And it just started spontaneously happening. Um, so it's it's sort of an evolutionary process uh, and um, that's how it's worked for me everything wasn't there in the beginning and I've heard many other mediums uh, talk about that as well that it's it's a constant refinement of obtaining more evidence from the spirit world uh, opening the, your own heart as the medium or the conduit and then um, by by that process healing can occur for the receiver of that reading
0: hmm. when you first started did you ever question whether you're giving accurate information like whether it was actually spirit or you know just you thinking
1: oh of course um, in fact I teach mediumship development and uh, intuitive development that is probably the number one uh, question that people have is doubt and lack of trust. And so that only happens with time that you that one gains trust, that it's not your voice or that you're not making it up, that it's an actual impression through telepathy um, and through the inner senses uh, from living energies that are not here physically. So that's probably the number one um, obstacle that people have to overcome uh, when they're developing. And it's called discernment. So you really have to discern, uh, you know, the personal mind, which is the rational mind, from the spirit mind, which is the higher higher sense perception.
0: Hmm. How do you tell the difference? Like, like is it, do you just learn over time, or are there any telltale signs?
1: Um, yeah, I can answer that quite well. It, it, coming from spirit, it feels somehow larger than the personal mind. And what I mean by that is a, a lot of times, the information received is not going to make sense to you as the conduit. And that is, a, that is one of the ways that you can tell that it's not coming from you because you might get an image, a thought, a sensation through clairsentience or hear something through a clairaudience that absolutely might even be kind of crazy or out of the box. And that's happened many, many times Um, throughout the years that I've been doing readings. So that is one of the ways. And then just really getting out of yourself and getting into that expanded state so that you are the conduit away from the personal or rational mind.
0: Hmm. Um, Have you ever like received messages like you're just like, you know, like, like, what is this? Like, why am I getting this information?
1: Uh, plenty of times. <laughs> plenty of times. Where it takes an enormous amount of trust um, to verbalize that to the sitter or the receiver and just let it go in trust that it's going to make sense to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, absolutely. And I can also tell you um, that there are many times that I've actually had the spirit people uh, come to me prior to sessions. Uh, This happens, um, you know, maybe a couple of times a month at this point, where if I'm going to do a group, I will sit quietly with a piece of paper and write down information that I'm receiving, not knowing who's coming to the group. And taking the paper with me and when I go to the group, um, reading off of that paper from what came through, specific information. So um, and I can tell you every time I've done that, it's been very valid and accurate. So um, it really takes a lot of trust. And again, there's no shortcut to it. You have to build that and as you continue to build innately, you begin to recognize what's yours and what isn't yours. And at this point, I pretty much know, even if a sitter is sitting there going, no, I tell people to simply write it down or record it uh, because 95% of the time it will make sense to them, even if they don't have knowledge of it at the time of the reading, Hmm. that's very common. Um, that happens to most mediums. I know that it's happened to me on many, many occasions. I did a reading before our interview today, and there were some names that um, the person is going to have to check on. Um, it, that's especially common if people didn't know areas of their family. Um, you know, some people didn't never knew their grandparents, but yet the grandparents are coming through, giving names, giving uh, other sorts of evidence with their identity. Um, So that's pretty much part of the part of the picture in the in this type of work.
0: Have you ever received a message from spirit that you didn't want to have to give to your client?
1: Yes. Yeah. It doesn't have to do with that, because I work with high ethics. Anyone who is in this field who is legitimate and genuine is working with high ethics Uh, Meaning that you're truthful, that you if something if you don't feel a connection, you tell a person, Um, you know, uh, absolutely. I mean, ethics are everything, Um, but there are ways to say things and there are ways to not say things. So I have a spirit guide, those souls who help me with the work that I'm doing. Um, that works with me strictly on discretion and how to word something so that the message gets across, but it's said in a way that is going to be useful or helpful to that person and not hurtful.
0: Hmm. Um, <clears throat> when you do this, like, like, can you, like if somebody comes to you and says hey I want you to connect with you know a deceased parent um can, can you do that or is it just like what like, a, like an open door just whoever comes through comes through
1: yeah no one who is legitimate or genuine as a medium can guarantee that they're going to be able to connect with a specific loved one uh that's number one uh number two, in most readings, in other words, the vast majority of readings, I would say probably 90% or better, um, who the person, the sitter wants to hear from usually comes through. But there are those 5% of times that they don't. So I have absolutely no control over that. It's sort of like, I'll use the analogy of, you sitting and going, gee, I wish so-and-so would call me on the phone or send me an email. You have no control over that individual's will of, you know, picking up a phone or uh, sending you an email. Uh, you can put that intent out. Uh, and that's why I have clients prepare prior to readings by having questions written and engaging in stillness or meditation Um, prior to the session because um, the sitter is just as important in that session as I am and the spirit world. If you think of a triangle, those three points on the triangle are the three um, connecting dots of the communication. So it's the spirit world at the top. I'm on one end of the triangle and the client is on the other end. If any of that is misconstrued, the communication is not going to happen. There are certain souls who, for one reason or another, will not come through in a reading. Uh, The timing could be off. Uh, They could be unable to communicate for one reason or another. They don't know how to do it. They have to undergo training in the spirit world to know how to reach my mind. I'm here in a physical body. I'm not in the spirit world. Um, So they have to go through training much like, you know, sort of like I did. Um, So anyone who is genuine could never guarantee that that particular person is going to come through in a reading. Mm -hmm. It's part of ethics. It's part of being honest.
0: Where do do these souls or uh, consciousnesses that you can uh, receive the information where do they reside and if they're out there like, like if they're outside of their body and sort of like in the ether um, what happens to that if they reincarnate if they like if they reincarnate can you no longer contact them
1: um, usually not because they're not in the spirit world however most souls do not reincarnate that quickly. Um, everything I talk about in my books that I've written about, everything that I talk about in interviews is what I have directly experienced through my own work. I have not seen a whole bunch of cases um, personally where the soul has reincarnated um that quickly however it could be true in the cases where the soul isn't connecting that they could no longer be in the spirit world so that could be a reason why they're not coming through in the reading
0: can a soul be in multiple places at the same time
1: we are um because energy is not limited to time and space that's how I can do readings through zoom. That's how I can do readings on the phone, which is how I do most of my readings, um, you know, through virtual means of basically the phone. Um, so the, it's energy and energy is in multiple is, you know, multidimensional. And so that's what, how communication between all planes of existence is, is possible.
0: Can a medium contact non-human entities? Uh,
1: Such as Um, extraterrestrials,
0: extraterrestrials, angels, whatever.
1: Oh, sure. Um, But I will tell you something. I'm kind of distrustful of people and I am working in this field um, and have been for many years, but I'm, unless somebody really presents highly compelling evidence, um, I I tend to um, be very suspect of people who claim that they're channeling this entity, that entity, um, you know, Mother Mary, uh, Jesus, whoever it might be. Um, I'm not saying they're bad people, but there should be evidence that is presented um to substantiate that identity so whenever i hear people go well they're trans channeling so so and so um I'm, i'm kind of suspect of that i'm not saying that there aren't legitimate people but i i think that people who really do that are few and far between I think people are channeling their higher self, you know, from mm-hmm. the from the soul. But to claim that you're actually communicating and giving information from any of the ascended masters, like Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, or any of the saints, um, that that requires a good bit of evidence for that to, in my in my opinion, anyway.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: be substantiated
0: yeah I I don't know how you could even come up with evidence if there's no evidence that these people ever existed to begin with some of them so there's no there, there could be no evidence really
1: well a lot of the saints did exist and the ascended masters we know we have records of them as well um so i don't deal so much with that i deal mainly with um you know deceased loved ones and so forth um that that's what my realm of expertise Mm -hmm. is uh not that angels and ascended masters and spirit guides don't help because certainly they do and i've had personal experience and have seen through clairvoyance um some of my spirit guides, some of, uh, client spirit guides. Uh, these are energies that they're not related to, uh, but are nonetheless very real and very present in the spirit world. Um, and you know, those who come to help, uh, humankind.
0: Is channeling and mediumship the same thing?
1: I don't like the word channeling. Uh, I know it's well used. Um, so mediumship is in its true form. And the reason it's called medium, it's, it's an individual who is sensitive, who stands between the physical plane and the spirit world. So that's why they a person who does that is called a medium because they're in the middle of those two planes of consciousness um, so channeling to me is, um, I guess that word was a bit more popular, you know, using it through, um, you know, the, the quote new age, which I don't like that word either, but, um, there's some of the things that have gone on, um, you know, where people were claiming that they are in contact with a different entity or so forth. Um, so I don't usually use that word too much. I use connection with or I'm impressed by uh, this particular individual or whatever. Hmm. I guess you could say that it is similar, um, but personally, I don't I don't use that word. Um, I know that some people do, but it's just a preference, I guess.
0: Can anybody learn how to be a medium?
1: Well, you know, I'm glad that you asked that. Um, Yes and no. Um, And I'm not trying to fudge on the answer. Yes, in that we all have inner senses. Um, When you're sleeping, you're using the astral senses, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, meaning the non-physical senses. So everybody has those. Everybody has intuition. However, there are certain people who have an innate, uh, predisposition to be highly sensitive. Now, my personal, what I have personally seen, um, most people who are doing mediumship that has come from previous existences. I know that with myself, I've done this in other, um, existences here on the earth, um, I never use the word gifted. I feel that 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 puts a person on a pedestal and it can land with ego and then ego can seep into the work that you're doing. I never want that to happen. There has to be humility with this work and there has to be ethics. Um, Expect the life of service. If you are going into mediumship, um, in the in the past decade or so, there has been an explosion of people calling themselves mediums. Um, it's unfortunate because true mediumship takes many many years to develop.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can't take a weekend workshop or intensive and then hang on a shingle that you're a professional medium. It takes um, many years to really become highly trained and to really know that you're making a solid connection and to um, hone your own skills. So unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people calling themselves mediums um, that, you know, either they do have the ability, but they need more training or Um, They think they're doing mediumship, but they're not really doing it the way that true mediumship um, should happen.
0: Hmm. What about physical mediumship where the entity enters the medium's body and then the voice changes, the facial features change, objects might move around. Is that a real thing?
1: Yes, it is. Um, It it is very rare. And I would never attempt to do physical mediumship. Uh, Physical mediumship is actually, and it was very um, popular during the uh, Victorian age. Uh, There were a lot of frauds, but there were legitimate physical mediums. I will tell you that physical mediums are extremely rare. Um, it is where the medium is actually leaving, their consciousness is actually leaving the body. Um, or there's another energy that comes through that can manipulate through using the, the energy, the, the energy, the life force energy of medium to manipulate physical reality. And sometimes even produce apports. Apports are physical objects that uh, such as flowers or stones or uh, rings or any of that kind of thing that can appear uh, during a physical mediumship session. Um, there's also the instrument of the uh, trumpet that is sort of a, it's a cone that is supposed to consolidate the etheric energy that um, that uh, makes that possible. So, in order to produce anything here on the physical plane, you have to have etheric material, which is called ectoplasm. So, it's very, very rare, and there was a lot of frauds exposed during the uh, Victorian age.
0: How is any of this possible? with the current model of the universe and the current models of consciousness? Is it like a quantum physics thing?
1: Uh, I'm not sure what you're asking.
0: Like, 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 How is it possible that anything can exist beyond physical reality?
1: Physical reality is simply energy that's moving very slowly. So let me explain that. People have often asked me, where is the spirit world? My answer is always the same, it's right here. It's vibrating at a very much higher velocity than you and I are. Um, the atoms in anything physical here, like the desk, my laptop is sitting upon, uh, you know that poster behind you, the doors behind me, those atoms in the physical world are very close together and they're moving relatively slowly. In the spirit world, it's that's not so. they moving very quickly. That's why when I hear things through Audience, clairaudience, it's, sometimes it, it's so quick. It, it goes like zoop right through my mind and I then have to interpret it. And it's because the energy uh, beyond this physical plane is moving much more quickly. Now, there are many levels to the spirit world and as you ascend in vibration as far as vibration meaning the velocity of the consciousness there of the energy that is present there the finer it becomes the closer that you get to earth the denser that the energy is so the realms of the spirit world that are closer to the earth Uh, are moving relatively slower than the higher ones there. Mm. Um, So how is it possible? It's possible because energy exists. We know that. I mean, Einstein proved that. Um, So it's simply a matter of tuning into that. And that's why I always say, people go, well, how, you know, how do you, where is the spirit world? Is it a place? What? No, it's right here. But it's much like, a radio station or a television station, you have to turn on your receiver in order to tune into it. So it's, it's always broadcasting, but it's a matter of tuning into it. And that's where training comes in. That's where discernment comes in. And that's where getting out of your personal mind comes in.
0: Wow. Wow. I, ho- I hope that made sense. Yeah, it, it does. Like, I've always kind of looked at it, too, like, in, in terms different. of frequencies, you know, like, oh, it's I, definitely- I, I, I can't see radio waves or microwaves or gamma waves, but I'm surrounded by them.
1: Exactly. That's a good analogy. Um, right now, you and I are, unfortunately, we're probably being bombarded with a whole bunch of, who knows, types of waves. I mean, there's <laughs> a lot of, you know, look at all the cell phones today. Um you know, there's many things that are invisible. I always say, you know, think of electricity. You can't see that and you can't hold it in your hand, but it's real. It exists and it, it can kill you. <laughs> um, it powers everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, it's sort of, it, it's like that. And it's through thought transference, or that's what I call an impression, um, from those living souls that have transcended the physical plane now after they dropped their body, um, them pressing their thoughts upon you or upon me. Hmm. Um, so that, that's how it works.
0: When people have a dream of a dead relative, a lot of times these people will say that if you, if you do, It really is that relative trying to speak to you through your dream. Is that true?
1: Yeah. Uh, It's called a dream visitation. I've had that happen. Um, I wrote about it in my third book, Soul to Soul Connections, Comforting Messages from the Spirit World. I wrote about it. My grandmother came to me. She died in 1977. I was in college at the time. Many years later, many years later, I was waking up one morning uh, from now. It was probably, I'd say, a good 18 or 20 years ago uh, that that this happened. Um, But she was there and there is not a doubt in my mind. And the reason I know that she was there is because the feeling of it was exceedingly real. Now, if you have a regular dream. You know, I, I call them psych, like psychological processing types of dreams, which most of us have. Some of us don't remember those um, when we wake up in the morning. But this was so real. And it was it was the, she was there. She was there with me. And the feeling was of overwhelming love. That's what the feeling was that I had from that dream. And I've talked to many clients who have had the same experience, and some of them have gotten messages from loved ones. Um, Some of them are like me, that the the person was just there and didn't really say anything. But there didn't have to be anything said in that the love was what was being communicated to me. Um, My grandmother and I were very close. Um, She always treated me with so much kindness and love when she was here in the physical world. And so if anybody would come back, I knew it would be her. And I've lost, you know, all, all my grandparents, but it was her that came back and I will never forget it. It was that powerful. It changed my life. Really.
0: Do you know anything about soul groups where certain groups of souls incarnate together on purpose for a purpose.
1: Yeah, I wrote about this in my new book, um, which I do want to mention to listeners. Wisdom from the Spirit World uh, is the name of the book. And um, I write about soul groups and in all of my books, I write about soul groups. And those are souls who have a similar spiritual consciousness And usually we reincarnate with, um, the same soul group members. Um, why? Well, because we may have unfinished business there. We may have karmic connections. Those don't have to be negative or bad. They can be positive. Um, but, you know, connecting with soul group members, we do that in between lifetimes too. It's not just here. So absolutely. There are soul groups, um, Some of the spirit guides, those souls who help us on our pathway, they are from our soul group. Um, And we generally spend many lifetimes um, with the same soul group.
0: What are spirit guides and why do we have or need them?
1: Spirit guides are specialized. There are souls who have specialized in um certain I don't know what I would call them areas such as healing, such as teaching um I have spirit guides who are help me with mediumship. So depending upon what the individual that they're guiding is doing in life uh, that corresponding a guide who has a corresponding, Specialty will help with that will help that person um, with their area of expertise they undergo a lot of training in the spirit world in order to be able to do that um, so there, there are guides for just about anything you can think of there are scientific guides that help people working in medical or science fields there are uh, teaching guides, there are healing guides. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, because I connect people with loved ones a lot, there's guides who help me with that. Um, but they are not superior in any way to us. They are helpers. They're, if you think of them as team, they're part of your team, your spirit team. Um, that's probably a good way to th- um, think of the spirit guides. Every human being has spirit guidance available to them.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. Like, <clears throat> I wonder Like, if everybody has a spirit guide, why can't everybody hear it?
1: Because there are some people walking around that don't even know what a spirit guide is. But it doesn't matter. If the person is aware of them or not, they're still helping. So, for example, I, I can tell you, I've heard many people go, you know, I don't know why, but I got this intuition to go this way when I was driving instead of that way. And then they find out that there was some horrible accident in the way that they were originally going to go. And I believe that that is spirit guidance helping us. To help us with our our way and our safety. Now, there are many ways that they can help, not just with keeping us safe. And that would be in the angelic kingdom as well. Um, By the way, angels have never been here in a physical form. Most spirit guides have. They've been here in a physical body. The angels have never been in a physical body. Um, They are extensions of the creator of, of the divine. Um, the spirit guides can help us in a myriad of ways. They can inspire us. They basically work through inspiration. So, people who are not trained in intuition development, um, you know, they might look at it like, well, I had this idea, you know, for this invention, or I had this idea uh, for this or that, or, you know, this came to me. When really it's a collaboration with the spirit world. And if people really knew how much collaboration goes on between us and the spirit world, I think most people would be truly amazed because there is an enormous amount of collaboration that goes on between us here in the physical world and the spirit world. And it's through inspiration so even though people aren't like hearing a voice in their head to go, oh, okay, that's a spirit guide. Um, it's still it, it's coming from a different source than the rational mind. Now, I might add too that spirit guides cannot tell us what to do. They cannot learn our lessons for us. They are simply helpers. It's much like we are here. We cannot force anyone to do anything. Um, If you go to say, you know, to see a psychotherapist, a psychotherapist can go, with, you know, guide you onto a pathway that's going to help you. But ultimately, that's your personal responsibility. So it's the same. It operates the same with spirit guides in that they can help us with our lessons, our spiritual lessons. And by the way, that's another topic I wrote about in Wisdom from the Spirit World is um, the Akashic Files and what we wrote in our blueprint or our plan um, that we're going to learn in this lifetime before we even came into the body of the little infant. So the spirit guides know about that. They sit with us and actually help us plan that um, before we come here.
0: So there's one of the things that I've heard is that, that we agreed to sort of like a contract before becoming incarnated.
1: Well, in my books, I call them blueprints because um, blueprints are a little bit more open ended. In other words, they allow for free will. So <clears throat> a contract, I think like, you know, you sign on the dotted line, there's no, um, there, there's less flexibility, whereas with... Um, a blueprint, there's much more ability that honors the individual's free will. And so say that we need to learn a particular quality like compassion. There's many different ways that you can choose to learn that. You know, Mm -hmm. through working with animals, through, you know, um, reaching out and helping your neighbor, uh, working with the elderly. Um, There's many, many different ways that certain qualities can be learned so that's why i call them blueprints in that they do afford the opportunity uh, for more choice on the individual's behalf
0: Hmm. um if i were to ask you now to connect with anything that is around me any loved ones or spirit guides, would you be able to
1: I usually don't do that through an interview because I'm focused on your questions. Mm -hmm. Um, So I usually do not just snap into doing a reading uh, during an interview. Okay. Um, But we can do that at some other point if you like.
0: Interesting. Um, One one of the things is um, how about when you feel like, like, like for me, like I don't, uh, not a medium. I don't consider myself psychic or clairvoyant. However, sometimes I do feel like somebody is around. And sometimes I can even feel like I can identify that energy of who it is. Is that my imagination or is that actually me really tuning in?
1: It's hard to say, but my gut is telling me, which is what I tr- trust, that you're picking up the signals, Um that you're tuning in, you do not have to be, I constantly remind people, you do not have to be a medium to connect with loved ones. You absolutely do not. And anyone who's working in this field, who is genuine and working with high ethics will say, you have the ability, an average person, anybody has the ability to connect with a loved one because of the bond of love. The bond of love is, is indestructible. So if you're talking about a deceased loved one, somebody in your family or a friend, absolutely, you have that ability to, to do that. Um, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't train people, you know, how do you do that? Um, and I do train people. Mm. I've done that for years. Um, so I would say that probably you are picking up signals. One of the suggestions I would give to you or anybody who is getting Those sorts of, um, you know, prompt things or whatever you want to call them, or messages, is to write them down. And you know, sometimes spirit will, um, you know, come to you at certain times. Sometimes people get clairgustians. Clairgustians is smelling or tasting uh, through the spiritual senses. In other words, it doesn't have a physical origin to it. so, uh, you know, there are, say, for example, somebody smoked.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You might get the smell of cigarette smoke. Um, somebody did cooking. This happened to me, actually. I would wake up and smell coffee. I, don't, I do not drink coffee. But in the house I used to live in, I would constantly be waking up smelling coffee. Well, it turns out the woman who, who lived in that house who was deceased used to drink coffee a lot. I didn't know that until I checked with the neighbor um so i mean those are just some examples um but certainly anybody who is a human being has those inner senses
0: Hmm. yeah one of the things that I, i like too is um just like the word inspiration means comes from the word in spirit Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I didn't really learn that even until I started this podcast and somebody said, well, yeah, you know, mentioned that one of my interviews. And um, one of the things is, and I don't know if there's any connection, but I will ask you, my moments of inspiration almost always come to me when I'm in the shower or taking a bath or something with water. Is that common?
1: I don't know about water. It could have something to do with your sun sign. I don't know what your when your birthday is.
0: Oh, Capricorn.
1: Oh, so am I. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. Um, it, it, you know, but I don't know where the, the personal planets are. For example, I, my moon and my chart is in Pisces. So I'm very tuned in with water. I love water. I love being around water. I love the seashore, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so it could just be that you're more relaxed at that time. Uh, spirit finds it very difficult to come through stress. So if we are uh, the number one killer of a good reading or of receiving intuition is stress. So um, the more relaxed that you can become, um, the, the better and the more open you are. Uh, so that just might be your time that you're not thinking or you're just kind of relaxing. And, you know, that's why you get it That With me, I get mine just walking around during the day. I'll get a flash of this or that or an actual communication um, from somebody. And when I was talking earlier and saying that sometimes I get a lot of information prior to a reading, or an event that I'm going to be doing where there's a bunch of people there. This just happened last week. I had 60 people at an event and I sat quietly the day of that event. And I wrote down a whole bunch of things. Lo and behold, it went to a woman who was there uh, down to the numbers that were given. Um, This lady had lost a cousin in nine one one in New York city. He was a firefighter and he came to me as clear as a bell and, Uh, everything fit, including the number of the firehouse. Um, So that just came to me when I, but I'm trained to be able to do that. So I relaxed and had my paper there and invited somebody in. And that's how I um, got that information. So spirit has a hard time coming through stress or any of the very strong emotions like anger, Um, Extreme skepticism is difficult because it's like hitting a brick wall. And spirit is light and literally light, like frequency, light, Um, but also light meaning not heavy.
0: Hmm. Um, When you're communicating with spirit, are they able... To see the future,
1: Um, yes and no. Um, Yes, first off, I'm extremely careful with prophecy. Although many, many, many readings I've done have given prophecy, Um, and it is accurate. Because how do I know? Because I've gotten feedback from countless clients that it came to pass. Um, Sometimes spirit will talk about what is in the person's mind. In other words, through their thoughts, but it hasn't manifested here on the physical plane yet. So in a way that is sort of prophetic in that it hasn't manifested, but the person is planning it or thinking about it. Now, because of the element of free will, because of the reality of free will, the um, You could, you know, I tell people, you could, you know, hang up the phone today and go out and say, I'm going to go a different direction. But usually it'll be couched in a statement like if you stay on the pathway that you're on, this is likely what is to happen. Mm -hmm. But there is there are options. Anyone who is doing my type of work should be honest and tell you that that, you know, there is always an ability to change. I have to explain that to people, too, when I'm reading the tarot, because the tarot is an oracle and it can actually um, I've gotten a lot of prophecy for my in my own life uh, through using the tarot for myself. And I'll look at it. and I'll go, what is that? And then that's and I'll write it down. And then a month or two later, that's exactly what happened, that at the time of the reading for myself that i had no knowledge of but the cards were showing it so it was in the collective unconscious which is the universal set of all possibilities and the tarot operates with synchronicity which is meaningful coincidence so the minute that those cards are cast or in the case of a reading at the time a reading takes place This is the energy that's coming together to show that particular um, event.
0: Mm -hmm. Have you ever, oh, actually, first, back to the tarot. What tarot deck do you use?
1: The only deck that I have ever used, well, I shouldn't say ever. The only deck that I use and have used for many, many years is the original Rider Waite. Uh, The drawings, the paintings on there by Pamela Coleman Smith, um, who I'm absolutely convinced, and I'm going to use the words you used earlier, uh, channel those uh, drawings because they are highly symbolic. They are extremely metaphysical. They go into the sacred mysteries, the mystery schools from ancient Egypt and Greece. Um, Hebrew... uh, uh, religion, um, so there are many, many things on her cards through her drawings that resonate, and the numerology of the tarot is very important and accurate as well. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot you can Actually, tell from reading numerology
0: too. Rider,
1: <laughs> You know why? Because the Rider Waite is the only deck that, when I look at it, it becomes a portal. What do I mean? A portal to be able to look through, to see energy, you know, as opposed to, I mean, I know what the set meanings are of Mm the seven cards. I know, I know what, I teach the tarot, so I know all of those, but there are specific combinations that mean something to me, and then I can pass that along to a client
0: is there any particular spread that you use?
1: Um, well, the, the old one of the Celtic cross,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, but I also use a timer spread and it's a very short spread and it's just six cards. Um, and it will tell time and Mm. it's highly accurate because each of the suits in the tarot, there are four suits. Each of them corresponds to a season. One of the four seasons, um, So um, it's very useful to tell time with because for it's, this is more for life guidance types of readings. I do much more mediumship today than I do, um, you know, life guidance types of readings, but I offer those as well. Um, So sometimes people want to go when, you know, people always want to know when is that going to happen? So, you know, if you get a predominance, let's say of pentacles in the tarot, those are the, those are fall fall technically starts this month on the equinox it goes to the winter equinox which is in Dece- on december 22nd um so you can say in that three month time span um that's when this is likely to happen
0: hmm. um have you ever done a seance
1: uh, i not sure what you mean i know what saying on what a seance is um, I don't use that term because people get scared.
0: Mm-hmm. And well, think, like for example, like I used to do a paranormal investigation. And a lot of times we would bring a psychic along. And it would just sort of sit in a circle. Mm-hmm. And the uh, psychic would just try to connect with whatever's in that particular location to get information.
1: Um, oh, I've done plenty of those. Um, I've done walkthroughs of places that people, you know, are having some issues in. Uh, I don't do, that's not my primary um, field, but yes, I have done it. And in fact, I have many people that have wanted me to tune in from far away. So in other words, I don't physically go to the place, uh, but I'm doing sort of what's called traveling clairvoyance or remote viewing. And um, so I don't have to be at the place to tune into it. I mean, it's useful. It's mm-hmm. it's helpful to be there in person, but I can also do it um, on on the phone. Um, and there seems to be um, a lot of people who need to do clearing because what they're not really having something that's negative per se. But they're having, there's sort of this overlay of old energy that's been stuck in the place, and also on the land. People forget that land holds energy; it's, it doesn't just have to be in the dwelling that's on that land. It can be in the, on the earth, and you know there can be trapped energy of some sort um, in a particular location. So, so it,
0: doesn't,
1: it doesn't just have to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I, I did a walkthrough um, at a pet resort, and this place was a deluxe pet resort. I mean, it was it was beautiful, and it was relatively new. But they were getting a lot of phenomena there. They were getting a lot of orbs. They were getting um, the the uh, the television kept malfunctioning. The washer and dryer was malfunctioning. The employees were seeing strange things. Um, and when I did a walkthrough. I told them to point their camera at the places where I was seeing spirits. When these pictures, when they showed me these pictures, there were orbs at the places I was telling them to point their camera at. And so, and the land originally, there was a Native American connection with it. So it wasn't anything negative, but it was a phenomena that that was happening as a result of what had gone on previously on that land.
0: Are there negative entities that try to torment humans?
1: Yeah. And I, I don't really want to talk about them. Um, I'd rather talk about the positive stuff, but, Mm. um, oh yeah. I mean, I I'm very real in who I am and absolutely there are. And I will tell you that I really advise people to not fool around with things like Ouija boards Do not become obsessed with the paranormal. Um, I very seldom ever watch those shows on TV where they do the um, so-called investigations. Um, You know, you can actually invite things into your energy field. You have to be careful. Um, You really do have to be careful and use discretion. Ouija boards are dangerous for people who don't know what they're doing. Because it's like opening a portal or opening your front door and going, come on, everybody, come in here. And if you don't have discernment, then you can invite some negative en- and <clears throat> pardon me, some negative energies in.
0: Can that happen to you? Do you have to use any type of protection before doing a medium session? Cause you don't want to receive negative to, energy.
1: I connect with spirit with higher source. And I give the reading to spirit. Spirit is my word for God. I give every single time, which is another reason I don't do them in the middle of interviews, because I there's a five-minute prep that I do because so that I can be very accurate. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I do is mindfulness before I will tune in. The second thing I do is I give the reading to spirit for the very highest and best experience so that I take my ego, the little me, out of that reading and so um i do that before every single reading that i do Mm -hmm. so why am i not worried about negativity because i don't put it out you know there there are natural laws what are what are natural laws um they are a body of immutable principles that govern the consequences of human behavior and the way that energy operates what you create, you attract. So that's one of the laws. It's the law of attraction, not the phony law of attraction that the movie was about. Like I see a diamond ring in the window and I, I think about it. So I'm going to get the diamond. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what I create with my thoughts will return to me. So because I do not deal with negativity, manipulation, fear, uh, the lower vibratory emotions, I don't attract that to me, uh, so I don't fear that. I I don't I don't fear that at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. It's cool. Like 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 I know like some uh, mediums and psychics I know will, um, sort of like bit, you know cover themselves with like white light before doing a reading, just to help protect themselves.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything to protect myself from because I do not attract. um, I mean, you might, that's not to say that there's, you know, if somebody wants to do that, that's fine. Um, Personally, I trust the process and I've been doing this long enough to know that I'm operating in a high frequency. My, my intent, my intent, which is everything. intent is everything Mm -hmm. is of healing and healing has nothing to do with negativity or evil or deception so my intent is always from a space of healing and to verify the eternity and the immortality of the soul and that the soul is a spark of god and so coming from that intent um, that's why I don't worry about things like that. But if somebody wants to do that, that's fine. Um, I, I used to do that. And then I simply, I turn it over, so to speak, to spirit. Um, and, you know, I I still myself so that I can receive and be receptive.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like Everybody has a little bit of a different technique, I think, I guess, when it comes to that. Um, when you <clears throat> had a question, I sort of forgot what it was. Uh, oh, healing! How how do you use your mediumship to help heal? So I noticed, like that's one of the things that you do.
1: Well, um, the very nature of true, genuine mediumship should be of one of healing. Why? Because there are people who need to know that that loved one is still beside them now. How do they know that through a reading because of the evidence that's presented? So things that I, and I don't ask questions before a reading, I don't go, Oh, who do you want to connect with? I don't, I don't do that. Anyone who's legitimate should not be doing that. Um, So there should be evidence presented to, so that that person understands that there's no way I would know this information and that it's coming from a loved one or the personality of that loved one in spirit or things or memories that that person had had. Um, That unto itself is healing. The assurance that death does not separate people. Um, There are people who have lost children. I mean, I've done a lot of readings for people who have lost kids. People who have lost people to suicide, um, a drug overdose, uh, many different, very tragic sorts of situations that people are seeking to know that that loved one, whether it's a family member and and pets, pets come through sometimes in the readings too, um, that people need to know that that connection is intact, that it's still there. And so in that regard, that's uh, that. That's the first thing. The second way that mediumship is, is healing is to assure an individual that we don't die. You know, there's a lot of people out there, especially now, walking around in a lot of fear. And they're afraid of death. Um, you know, people need to know that I mean, all one day, yes, we're all going to die. Um, but there is nothing to fear about that, that this, because the soul is eternal. Hmm. So those are the ways, those are the two big ways that I feel mediumship heals. And actually, there's a third way, and that would be through guidance. Because sometimes spirit provides guidance for someone's life. They refer to a family situation that I don't know anything about, but they do because they're part of the family and they'll come through and acknowledge it and, you know, maybe give a little bit of guidance for that person that's struggling with that particular painful situation.
0: Hmm.
1: So I would say those are probably the three main ways that mediumship is healing
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. Like the fear of death definitely I guess it bothers some people or or they're afraid of it. Um you know, I've I've had my own experience, like like it was like a near death, sort of out of body experience, which kind of made me, you know, realize like, okay, I'm not my body. So but also as a result of that experience, though sometimes I feel like this life is not necessarily as important as I make it out to be, you know, it's, 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 it's not the end all be all. I, I can make mistakes or do whatever I want really. And it, in the end, somehow I think everything is going to work out anyway. Um, You're
1: exactly right. <laughs> You're exactly right. You know, I once heard, and I do not remember who said this, but it was comparing one lifetime to one grain of sand on a beach. And when you really think about that, how minute that is, and the eternity, we can't grasp through our rational mind the eternity of the soul. We we have no idea what, what... that means that it's endless that it's existed since the beginning of time whenever that was and will continue on when you really know that and I don't mean know it up here but know it in your heart then what you said about um, putting things in perspective yes I think that that absolutely gives perspective to issues problems things that we think are a big deal. Um, you know, um, and I would agree with you. And, and that has come to me through doing mediumship, you know, the, to, to really know in my heart, not in my head, but in my heart that everything does matter, but on the other hand, nothing matters. So again, it's paradoxical. Um, And spirituality is highly paradoxical. Mm -hmm. Um, So everything that we do does matter. But yet, in a sense, it doesn't in that I I think a lot of times what we think really matters is not the big picture.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. My third book, Soul to Soul Connections, I wrote a chapter called the BP, or I refer to the BP. What's the BP? The big picture. And it means this higher perspective that I've been blessed to receive through those in spirit. And wisdom from the spirit world, there are lessons. That's what the book is about basically, or eight lessons that those in spirit have communicated through countless sessions that follow themes. Hmm. And um, one of them is, you know, there is a spirit world that sounds really silly and, and, and basic, but there are some people who are atheists who do not believe that anything happened. When we die, we're, we're, we're gone. We evaporate. And I can tell you that that is a hundred percent not true because I have personally seen it and witnessed it. So, um, and even the very theory of that would not hold water because we know that energy is never destroyed.
0: Yeah. It just transforms.
1: It simply transforms. Mm -hmm. If you use the analogy of water, it can be in three different forms. So it can be ice, it can be liquid, and it can be gaseous. It can be steam. So, you know, that's how we are. We've got this, the soul takes on the physical body and then it leaves the physical body and goes to its real home, which is in the spirit world. Mm
0: -hmm. So, what are some of the other lessons in that book?
1: Well, um, one of the really important ones that I, I really want listeners to know about is the power of forgiveness. Releasing the past accelerates our spiritual growth. If you constantly walk around with a hundred-pound weight on your shoulders of the past, you're not going to be able to move forward very well. Yeah. So, forgiveness really means a release of the past. It doesn't mean, like, I think a lot of people misconstrue it. They think it means, oh, okay, well, you know, like somebody molested me or somebody abused me, somebody hurt me, whatever the affront is, that I'm okaying what they did. And that's not what it means in a spiritual sense. What I've learned from the spirit world is it means a release of what has gone, what is not real, actually. Because the truth is that the soul can never be harmed. Now, our ego sees hurt and the ego sees pain, but the spirit only sees experience. So the power that resides within us with forgiveness is to release the past so that we can be here now. All healing takes place in the present moment. It doesn't take place in the past. It doesn't take place in the future. It takes place right here and right now. Another lesson is a really big one that I've seen is our wounds do not diminish the light within. Um, I use the example in there of a reading and in all of my books, there are many, many examples I've transcribed directly from tapes from my readings. They're not embellished. Uh, They're true to form as they um, were expressed. And a lot of people think that because this happened to me or because I was an addict or I was an alcoholic uh, or, you know, I had a bad childhood, that that has diminished me in some way. That has disempowered me. When the truth is that the past has absolutely no power over you, how you've been wounded can never obscure your true power as spirit. It does if you allow it to, if you have that belief. But if you're here now, and it's kind of, you know, those two about forgiveness and our our wounds do not diminish us. um, You know, there is always healing available even in the spirit world. Um, Another example are those who have committed suicide. You know, there's certain religions that teach if you commit suicide, you're going to purgatory, you're going to. You know, you're not going to see God. Nothing could be further from the truth. In my experience, there is always hope and healing available um, for any soul who demonstrates or who desires that. And I have personally communicated with people who have taken their own lives. None of them are ever happy about it. None of them say, gee, I'm happy, you know, I took my own life. Um, But what they do say is that they're getting help on the other side, that they're healing They have the same issues. They had to, they had to, they didn't finish when they were here. So in essence, what suicide is, is, is simply short circuiting your own growth. So it's kind of like you go in a circle, you go in a Mm -hmm. merry-go-round. And so they still have to deal with the issues. They still have to deal with healing. um, But they're not, they're not doing it here. They're doing it in the spirit world.
0: Hmm. Well, that's definitely important. I I really like the idea though of the, like looking at the experience as just an experience and not having to throw it in some category as good, bad, victim or whatever. It's like okay, this happened, you know, and, and you know, I got, I learned from this to this and this and that's it. Just keep on moving.
1: Well, you're exactly right. I wish. All of humanity would learn that. Uh, in no way am I saying that there isn't a thing like post-traumatic stress or any of that. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I know. What I'm talking about is many people identify. In other words, they take on the um, experience as as their identi- identity. Um, victimhood is a good example of that when in reality there really is no such thing as victimhood there's only experience now if you take that on and identify with it then that becomes your story so the less that you can identify with the, your experiences like oh I'm a I'm a victim of whatever child abuse you know if you stay in that you're going to continually reinforce that identity and then you're transmitting that energy out and i you know it's it's interesting because it really does happen that i see a lot of people because they have not dealt with and they have not healed a painful childhood They continually reenact that by drawing people to them who are, in this case, abusive. And they they don't understand why. Whereas instead of standing up and going, you know what? That was simply something I experienced. I am not going to limit, allow it to limit me or define me in any way. That's where your power is in that choice, which is another lesson from the book. The power of choice determines the quality of our life. The choices that you make, that I make, um, determine the quality of the relationships we have, of the experiences that we have, um, you know, the way the way that our life unfolds. We are the captain of the of the ship. Are there things that happen outside of our control? Absolutely. What you have control of is your reaction to it. Um, and, you know, that that is something I'll tell you a really interesting thing about this whole thing about forgiveness. There are many readings in which I've had people come through that. And I, I don't know the the person that I'm reading for, let's say, and um, most people I don't and say dad comes through from the spirit world and he and he'll say Oh, I'm with my dad, and the person on the other phone, and I'll identify the grandpa or whatever. And the, the sitter will go, "That's funny. They never got along here in life. They they didn't like one another. My my grandfather was very controlling, or whatever." What I've learned is that um, the dad reconciled with the grandfather because he had this larger perspective then of seeing that his father's role in this whole thing was really to it was an agreed upon role between the two of them um for purposes of evolution of both of those souls so with that being said there was sort of a reconciliation between those two souls people have a hard Mm -hmm. time grasping that but that has happened many times and logically through the rational mind it doesn't make sense but yet um it has happened time and time again, and yeah. I've heard the mediums say that too.
0: So, what is the? Why do we incarnate in a physical body to begin with? Is it just to learn certain lessons? Like um, I know, to me, from my views, is, um, it is that sort of equanimity thing of looking at things without judgment and just having the experience. You know, is is a real challenge. In, in 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 this, I mean, to me, that's the like, the most challenging thing. Um, but what what do you think is the most, like like the reason f- for this whole world, this dimension, or whatever? Why why is it all playing out?
1: It's a schoolroom because there are conditions that exist here that do not exist there, such as a physical body such as time, time does not exist anywhere but here, linear time, it's totally non-existent, that's why I tell people, you're not going to meet spirit, like in the past, or in the future, spirit is right here, right now, because it's always right here, right now, for them, Um, so we come here for evolution, that's the only reason we come here, I don't think any, I'm just going to say this. I don't think any sane soul would come to this harsh plane of duality. If we didn't know that we were going to grow and evolve through it. I, for me personally, this is a very hard place to be because it's very harsh. Mm -hmm. Energies are very difficult for me at times. Um, I feel a lot. Um, I can even feel things through photos on the internet. I have to be careful, you know, through Facebook or any of the other uh, social media. Um, so we come here, we sign up for this. In fact, the first section of my book of wisdom from the spirit world is you signed up for this. That's the first section of the book. That's the title. (laughs) And it means we made this thing called the blueprint to come here to evolve. And that is the only reason to come here. Now, whether you look and you go, well, they didn't evolve at all. But you cannot judge that with the rational mind. If the soul was here in a physical body, in some way, it evolved. Okay? So um, it's a great schoolroom. It's a laboratory.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I... I have to agree i don't know if i would have signed up for this unless i was getting something out of it the only reason i could think of it is sometimes i think maybe i was tricked into it you know like somebody said like hey look look at all the sex drugs and rock and roll down there you can go do that you know and i said oh okay that looked great they get here like what <laughs> they didn't tell me about all this other stuff
1: well, you know, uh, you can get lost in that. I mean, people get lost in money. People get lost in relationships. People get lost in addictions. People get lost. They don't remember. We don't remember who we are. Then we, got, we get these things called, and I've written about these too, wake-up calls. What are wake-up calls? Well, uh, events that happen in our life that, that draw us into awareness that, oh, OK, uh, maybe this isn't what it's all about. After all, folks, maybe it's really about that this instead of mm-hmm. that. And I had a big wake up call uh, that wake up call was a fire that burned my business that I was running at the time in my 30s to the ground. I wrote about this in my first two books. It put me it set me squarely on the pathway of spirituality and doing what I'm doing today. That was a big wake up call, a fire. Mm hmm um a, a divorce uh a life-threatening illness um you know a, a serious car accident and any of these things uh can function as wake-up calls
0: yeah yeah like, like, so, like, like for uh, me it was like that out-of-body epileptic seizure thing that i had that's just being like whoa like <laughs> you know mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. not my body you know and,
1: well i have spoken with a lot of um not a lot but ser- well a good many people have had near death, and they are never the same again.
0: Yeah, I haven't been.
1: They, they are, they're usually always changed for the better. And it opens up their intuition, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. So before we wrap this up, where can my listeners find you and find your books?
1: Uh, my website is soulvisions.net. That's plural, soulvisions.net. Uh, also Facebook page, which is a professional page, Facebook.com backslash soul medium. That's S-O-U-L plus the word medium. All my books are on Kindle and Amazon, Barnes and Noble Nook. Uh, if you want an autograph copy, you have to get that through me. Um, and that would be through my website, soulvisions.net. They can also call there for you know, a private session if they're interested. I also do uh, monthly Zoom messages, very affordable price. I want people to be able to attend. Um, so I do um, a small group through Zoom and those are listed under webinars on my website
0: cool Well, i will post a link to your website and in notes of my episodes so my listeners can go and check you out and buy your books and maybe schedule a session if they want to
1: thank you so much for having me it's
0: yeah. been my pleasure me too i had a lot of fun this was a great interview thank you thank you hang on for one second and i'm just going to play my outro